Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 72. Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here this morning with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Good morning, Van. Good morning, Miss Laura. How are you today? I am doing all right. We were kind of laughing here a minute ago before we hit record about how early it is that we're recording this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you are too, obviously. You're an early morning person, early riser, and I am too. I don't necessarily want to be, but this is kind of the way God made me, I think. But um, we are kind of recording early here in Texas today, and it's kind of good. I kind of wanted to touch base with you a little bit today, Laura, about um, or just kind of not really touch base, but kind of forewarn you, forewarn our listeners. My voice has really been struggling the last couple of weeks um, because of oh, some chest congestion and things like that. We've had some issues down here in South Texas with a little bit of bad weather, but I mean, not like bad weather, but just a little bit difficult weather. My voice is not quite adapted. And of course, when I'm not talking on the podcast, I'm talking to groups or lessons or whatever. So my voice rarely gets a chance to rest. Yeah. So I just um, want to just give the audience a kind of a heads up that as we go, I may not sound quite as they may have heard me in the past. So just kind of be patient. And we'll get through this thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, We want to make sure we get the content out to to your listeners. So we'll just uh, tough it along and maybe you can drink some water as we go. Take, take a breath and take a drink. You know, every time I think about my voice, Laura, and every time I think about, you know, getting weak or whatever the case may be, or sometimes when I find myself just kind of rambling, my, I can hear my grandmother's words to me echo in the back of my mind. And sometimes even as I'm doing a presentation or a speech, I'll almost chuckle to myself because I hear my grandmom say, well, Van, good thing you get paid to talk because Lord knows you do a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Right. So, and, and on that note, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today, Laura, we're going to talk about chasing your dreams and, and having a good imagination. I, I feel like so many times we're working with horses and I'm going to go back a little bit like in, into your case. When you very first approached me, and we began to start asking you questions about what do you want to do and why do you want to do it? I'll never forget your answer. You said, you know, when I was a little girl, we had horses and I got to ride and then life kind of happened and I kind of put the horse thing on the shelf. And since then, I've dreamed of riding horses. I even remember you saying, I even dreamed of just riding and letting the wind blow through my hair. Mm -hmm. That to me is a good dream. And I can imagine that if you're dreaming that, you're also imagining it. You probably visualized yourself riding out in a pasture or down the beach for some people or riding out amongst a bunch of cows. I mean, we let our imagination just kind of take us to those places that we dream about. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But most importantly, we're going to talk about the importance of taking action on those dreams. Mm. And I'm going to kind of go back a little bit and tell people that may not know but um, I got a lot of practice at dreaming when I was little. I got a lot of practice at exercising my imagination. I was an only child growing up, and as such, my friends in life were, unless I was at school, of course, but my friends in life at home were 
the animals on the place. Mm-hmm. So I was always out doing stuff with the horses, always out doing stuff with the dogs. We even raised our own food, you know, such as our pigs or our, our, our cattle that we we're going to eat. And I find myself training the pigs and playing with the cattle and just always exercising that imagination and trying to figure out what I could do with them and what sort of relationship we could have. And so it took a lot of imagination. It took a lot of me dreaming to do things to make that happen. And I, I very much appreciate those those dreams. But the reality was, is that I think so many times as we get older, we don't dare either dream enough or we don't act out on our dreams mm-hmm. enough. And oftentimes when we're youthful, we'll think of something and that youthful innocence might get us in trouble because, hey, I wonder if that cow will stand still and let me drop out of this tree on its back. <laughs> that doesn't really seem like a great idea. But you see, that started with an imagination of riding a cow. And, you know, so now the kid begins to think, well, gee, how can I get on its back? It's not going to stand there and let me get on it like a horse would. So how's that going to happen? And we begin to start imagining ways that we can fulfill that dream. And then we begin, and most importantly, this is what I want to encourage people to do. Most importantly, we begin to start taking some sort of action, whether we just walk toward the tree or climb up the tree or climb out, out on the limb and then drop down. And we don't find until afterwards whether or not that was a good idea or not. <laughs> it seemed like a good <laughs> idea when you're a kid. It's like, oh, I could do that. Right. And exactly. Now, sometimes we think too, we, we as adults, we think we start thinking far enough in advance. We start thinking about all the things that, oh, what, what could go wrong? Yeah. And now we start creating those obstacles for ourselves. Oh, I could fall off and break a leg. I could, I could do this. The thing I hear people say so many times today, I bet they say it at least 10 times during the course of my regular week. Well, I would do that myself, man, but I, I don't want to get bucked off. You know, that ground comes up faster than it used to. Yeah. And I'll usually ask that person, when's the last time you fell off or got bucked off? And I'm amazed at how many people can't even remember the last time. Or they'll even flat out be honest and say, well, it hasn't happened since I was a kid. So why are you letting that be an obstacle in front of you? Sure, it hurts. Sure, we know we've gotten older. Sure, we've got a lot more stuff at stake. But she don't let those things stand in the way of the things that you want to do. In other words, don't create obstacles. Let your imagination go. The grandest thing about having some experience, in other words, once we do drop out of the tree onto the cow's back and realize that was a bad idea, we start thinking of other things that we might do to better prepare for it, you see. So as we get older, our experience teaches us to be maybe a little bit more logical in the process. But that's the key too. Be logical in the process. Don't eliminate the dream. Don't sacrifice your dream because your logic, quote unquote, logic is taking over. So that is the monologue. That's what we're talking about today. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And it's funny, as you were saying that just now about not sacrificing the dream because the logic takes over. I think sometimes as adults, and maybe I'm just projecting because maybe this is just me, but what I, what I excuse as being logic really is fear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and things that I'd love to try, but I'm just afraid of the consequences, afraid of what might happen. And, and you, you and I have talked about that a lot in the past of, of, you know, not trying because of fear and, and letting those, um, that, th- those thoughts, it, it's, I guess it's another use of our imagination. We're imagining all the things that could happen and we let that paralyze us and, and right. kind of, as you, as you put it, sacrifice that dream uh, really on the altar of fear. 
Exactly. Or one of the most common ones we hear today is it's fear or they'll, and then they'll follow that with excuses mm-hmm. that still sound like obstacles. Like, well, I don't have time. Yeah. And, and really, why don't you have time? And if, and if we just keep peeling back the layers, which, which we talked about before, you know, we've talked about before in different episodes about let's find the purpose of something. Let's peel back the layers and find the real root of something. And almost always when we peel back those layers, we're going to get down to something inside of us is a little bit fearful. And, you know, we've also talked about previous episodes. Fear is OK. It's not a big deal. Accept that. That's that's what keeps us alive. It's what keeps us healthy. But we can also do certain things to help eliminate and reduce that fear to a certain degree. And I think whenever we're thinking of that and we're thinking about, well, but what if I really am afraid to lope? What if I really am afraid to canter? Because what if I do fall off? I mean, Lord knows we're going faster. So the ground's going to come up even faster still. We're going to add momentum to that. All of those are the reality. But what if we did things such as push the envelope a little bit and then we backed off? And then we pushed the envelope a little bit more, and then we backed off. And then we did it just a little bit more still, and we backed off. And what's happening is is now we're chipping away and we're eating on that elephant one bite at a time mm-hmm. instead of letting our quote-unquote imagination take us to the point where only the worst can happen because it's too big of a step too fast. So we have to kind of learn when we're going to do things. We have to go back to that quote that I love so much that, again, my grandmother shared with me. Yard by yard, life is hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. So see, when we start putting those dreams and those imaginations into action, we can still do those things that we want to achieve. We just need to think about a good logical step of doing it inch by inch. And as a result, we'll find eventually we'll realize that dream. The worst thing about us, especially in America, I think, because when I do clinics and visit with people from other countries, I, I see the some of the things, the, some of the feedback from the typical American is being a little bit more than typical other places. See, in America, we are almost trained very early in age for instant gratification. Mm-hmm. So when we imagine our dream, we think we want to happen right now, yeah. that it needs to happen right now. I want to get a car. I want it to happen right now. I want to buy that new horse, that new saddle. I want it to happen right now. But then you go look in the bank and you think, oops. And then because we're so used to having an instant gratification that if you can't get it now, we have a hard time thinking of ways that you can either save for it, earn for it, work toward it, because we think, oh, crap, I can't have it now. Oh, well. And then we go on to the next pipe dream. So if it's really important enough to you, you'll find that way. You'll keep chipping away at it step by step. And then one day, shazam, you've, you've got it. And I can't emphasize to people and especially those who've not had that experience. But for those who have had that experience, think back again and think to yourself how awesome that was to put yourself through that blood, sweat, and tears. In other words, the savings or the the sacrifice or the work you had to do or whatever it was, when you put that dream into action and you work for it, there's not a better feeling in the world than winning and doing and achieving that dream or that goal regardless of how long it took. It's interesting to me that you, you know, that you brought this up. I'm I'm thinking of a a book that I was reading recently or that I'm still actually reading where talks about how we we in America and I can't speak to other countries, but that we have this sense that 
if you're talented enough, that's all you need. And if you have to really work hard at something, you must not have the talent and therefore it's, it's, it's not possible for you. And the, this book talks about it in the context of sports and, and other things, but that we, we in America almost idolize just talent and we think of it in terms of it should come easily. And so a dream that we have to work for is, it seems to us as something that, well, it's just not meant to be because if I have to work for it, I don't have the talent or I don't have the ability to, to do this. I don't know if that's making sense, but I just see that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, kind of connected to what you're talking about here, that we have a dream, but are we willing to do the work and know that we can accomplish it in time and with effort? Yes. Right. You know, whenever I think of that, and for me personally, I think of, and I hate to keep reverting back to, you know, the past, I guess, but we move forward based on how well we've done or what we've done in the past, what we've learned from it. I was very blessed, as some may know, but I was very blessed to have played on two championship football teams. One was a national championship football team, and the other one was a big conference football uh, a championship team. And Laura, at the very beginning of that, we all had that dream. Oh yeah, we're going to be national champions this year, or we're going to win the Lone Star Conference this year. We all had that dream. And there were days that I promise you that every one of our players, some, if they were all honest with themselves, there was some time during a hot late August workout or during a cold, bitter day before the game on Saturday, that we had that thought of giving up on our dream because it just wasn't worth, oh my goodness, it's not worth it. It's just too cold. It's too bitter. But yet we all had that dream. And then you think about the typical football season, just the playing season alone. We're not talking about the weeks and months and everything in advance of the season actually starting, but the typical season is at least 10 weeks long, at least 10 weeks, which when you're in a football player and you're in the middle of summer uh, workouts, two-a-day workouts, 10 weeks sounds like forever. But the reality is, why do you do it? You put yourself through that blood, sweat, and tears for that fantasy and imagination, if you will, of that gold ring that they're going to award you when you do it, and just for that sake of pride. But yet, when you're going through the process, there are so many opportunities there that your mind is playing tricks with you to quit, not do it. It's not worth it. You know, just quit and become a regular student, not a student athlete. It's just so much easier. But the reality is, is that those who really achieve the most are oftentimes not those, to get to your point, are oftentimes not those who have the greatest talents. Because mm-hmm. you see, those who have the greatest talents, oftentimes, just like with everything else, I look at great talents as if it's great gifts. And when you receive gifts all the time and you don't have that right attitude toward the gift, you begin to take the gift for granted. I can't tell you how many times I played football with guys who were faster than I was. And I was a running back. So speed was like almost the key thing for my position. Now, the difference was I could only do so much to increase my speed. And oftentimes my speed would still not quite get as fast as those other fellas. The difference was, is that I could see that those guys took their speed for granted and they began to take other parts of the game for granted. And their work ethic is what ended up kind of chipping themselves away from the starting role. Whereas I, because I didn't have the speed, I knew that I had to work harder at other areas and other things to make me a better overall, better running back, as opposed to just that running back with good speed. So that's what I want to tell people is that, you know, based on your point, I totally agree with that, that talent is a huge, great blessing. 
but it doesn't mean that if it doesn't come easy, you don't need to work toward those other things, those other components that whatever your dream may be, might be dependent on. You see, very rarely do I think our dreams are just one component items. Oftentimes it's a combination of things, whether it be a combination of time, combination of efforts, a combination of even talents, which is why so many times we've, you know, we've talked again about it on previous podcasts is strengths and weaknesses. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Your strengths are those things that are going to make part of your journey toward achieving your dream the easy part, but your weaknesses are going to be that part of your journey that's going to be a little bit tougher. And, and that's where I really want to encourage people to work toward that, whatever that is, whatever that weakness is, break that thing down into little bitty steps to make that achievement a little bit easier. In other words, break that little elephant and chew on it just a little at a time rather than trying to face that weakness as if it's some sort of obstacle that can't be overcome. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've been talking about it in generalities and we've been talking about it in, in a sports context, but it, it's certainly applicable to horsemanship for somebody who um, has a dream of doing some particular thing with their horse or horses competing in a certain thing or, or, or whatever it is. Maybe you've dreamed about it forever. Like I did, you know, I, I dreamed about riding again for many, many years before I even, you know, actually went out and bought a horse and, and, and then looked for somebody to help, to work with me to, to get better at riding. You can have that dream, but until you do something about it, it's just a dream. It's just something in your head. It doesn't exist sort of in the real world. And maybe you don't have the greatest talent for whatever this, this horsemanship dream is, but that doesn't mean you can't accomplish it if you're willing to take those little steps. And so where have you seen that maybe, I guess is a question. You work with lots of different people who come to you for lots of different reasons. Where, where have you seen that evidence, that whole idea of, of taking action on the, the dream that you have? Well, first of all, I, I love that, that idea, what you just talked about there is that, that, that dream and don't, and don't give up on it. But then to kind of give you something realistic, and this is kind of what started this little series. This episode, our next episode, there was a couple episodes earlier. It started because I, I've been asked some questions just of late. And, and these questions that, that came to me from, from our listeners had to do a lot with not really how to train a horse or how to achieve this or how to do that. These people were struggling with their own minds. For example, one of our listeners is in New Zealand. She actually came here to the United States and lived with us for a little while. And last year, she made the finals uh, in barrel racing in New Zealand at the, at the rodeo finals. And she said, I didn't do as well as I thought. My horse is doing good. I'm riding really good. But every time I go in the arena, I'm struggling with these mind games. I'm struggling with what can I do to be a better winner? I can't seem to just knock off that last little bitty edge to become a champion. Yeah, I qualified, but I didn't finish nearly as high in the, in the standings as what I wanted to and what I knew that I could because of my mind. I just can't quit thinking about all the obstacles. And that's what I want folks to, to realize most, Lars, that our application of that is understanding, number one, that the mind aspect of what we do in life, whether it be on our horsemanship or humanship, whatever the case may be, the mind aspect is so important, and it's just as important to train the mind and to train our thoughts 
as it is to train our horses and to train our bodies. Because you see, when we're training our horses and we're training our bodies, now we're working on a very physical aspect of talent, of what you just said a little while ago. We're taking a talent of some sort and we're developing it. And we're being realistic by looking at the strengths and weaknesses of that talent. And we keep developing it until we become what some spectator might view as, oh, well, there's pure talent. And I laugh when I hear that because pure talent is also is most times confused with a little bit of talent and a whole lot of sweat equity. But yet, <laughs> but yet, if we can also use a talent of organizing our thoughts and organizing what we're doing to systematically work toward those dreams and, and then analyze those steps logically to the point to where each one can be chipped off and achieved, regardless, again, if it's in our barrel racing in New Zealand or if it's our calf roping in South Texas or wherever that may be, it's that mental process. And I'm hoping this might help people a little bit. I, I started thinking a little bit about the mental process and I've been, I've been doing a little bit of research about it. And I read something the other day that I thought would be kind of helpful to our listeners and extremely applicable to this. And it's basically this. Real dreams, in other words, those things that we imagine, are actually kind of created twice. They're created twice because what happens is that first, it's merely just a thought. It's a creation mentally. In other words, all we do is just we, we think of it. Every invention, every design, every idea always started out with just that thought. Hmm, I wonder if I can ride that cow if I drop out of that tree. In other words, we just think about that. That is a creation because until that little light bulb goes off, it's just nothing. It's, it's just it, the dream doesn't exist. The, none of the idea exists. But the second part of that is the action aspect of it, putting it forth and moving forward with that action. And that's the part that we, again, take that dream and we park that so deep in our hearts and, and when, we, when we park that thing away and we think of it as something that can be done, and most importantly, in my mind, I think that it will be done, then you begin to start doing the second part of that creation, which is putting it into action. You put steps toward it. And it doesn't matter what step it is. Just take a step toward it. And when, whenever we take that step toward that dream, that's either going to be a good step or it's not going to be a good step. It's either going to be a step toward the dream or it's going to be a step away from the dream or it might just be a neutral step. Who knows? But again, we keep going back to the name of the podcast is Ride Every Stride. So every time you take that step, analyze again. Think about that step. Is it toward your dream? And if it isn't, think about what's causing it not to be and then make an adjustment. Step it toward your dream. Think about that step. Did that one get you closer to where you want to go? Or maybe you don't even know. So take another step. So in other words, live in the moment. Have the dream. That's part of our future. That's part of what we want to do. But you start taking those steps and you analyze every step along the way. And if you truly are stepping toward your dream and you're getting closer to that gold ring, you're getting closer to that gold buckle, you're getting closer to that championship – or, or even if you're just getting closer to the achievement of your dream of loping in the, and letting the wind blow through your hair, every time you're getting closer to that, surely that's going to inspire you to take that next step mm -hmm. and go through the process again, you see. And then over time, guess what happens? This is what's really cool. 
as you go and as you're going toward your dream, the flow like a river just starts gaining momentum. And before you know it, you've eliminated a lot of things that you don't want. And now you become more and more focused on what you do want. Before you know it, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and the, the stick that's holding the carrot just keeps getting a little bit shorter. And before you know it, you reach out there and you snatch that carrot. And that's what I want people to focus on is just that, that little process. Take that American dream aspect of instant gratification out of your mind and then go back to that American dream of let's just get to the country and let's start working our way toward being successful. And that's what I want people to focus on, the action aspect of it. So keep in mind that that, that dream is created twice in your mind. It's, or it's created twice, first in your mind as that thought, the idea, the imagination, and then secondly, it's created by the sweat equity, putting the work and effort into going forward. And that's applicable, again, in everything, whether it be in our daily lives or in our horsemanship lives, everything that we do, that process exists. Yeah, and I, I think what's fun about this is if we can uh, sort of manage our minds to the point that we actually uh, enjoy that process, that, that it's not, you know, we, we tend to focus on the destination, but it really is the journey that, that is the fun. Even all that effort that you're talking about and the, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, we can learn to enjoy that process. So, you know, if, if the dream is to compete in a horse show, we can, maybe the dream is to, you know, have that ribbon or, or the, what, whatever it is you get when you win the, the competition, but we want to rush through the steps, the, the action to get there. And maybe we just need to work on enjoying that one step at a time that you were talking about the process of being out there in the arena yeah. and doing the drills and, you know, all, all the work part of it, that it takes one step at a time to get us to, to that destination we're looking at. And that's the key. And, you know, you've heard us talk about that before to where we think about the journey. You've got to enjoy the journey. It's not the destination. Cause I got to tell you that sometimes when you win the ring or you win the, the buckle, that moment is just a uh, overall elation. You're just so relieved because you you know how hard you worked to get it, but then you get you did all that for what? A little piece of gold. <laughs> so sometimes sometimes the achievement, if you didn't if you didn't enjoy the journey, sometimes the achievement is really not all that great. And I'll give you an example. We, they had this little contest at school when I was in grade school, and of course you ought to know by now I'm pretty competitive. So I was bound to determine. I'm going to win that trophy because they had talked about this contest and what all you had to do. And at the end of it, you get this, this trophy and the picture is all we saw. We saw a picture of this trophy and the trophy looked in print just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, look at that. My mom would be so proud if I could bring that home. She'd let me, she'd let me keep it in my room though. I could put it on my dresser. So I was imagining this trophy already being in my possession I was imagining the hugs and everything else. I was going to get my mom for, for doing it. So there was my dream. There was my goal. And I worked at it. And I worked at it. And I actually had fun working at it. And then afterwards, it came the day they were going to announce the winner. And I won. I got that darn trophy. And I was so freaking disappointed. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. 
oh, I got a good handshake from my principal at the school, and my teacher was really proud of me, and just like I dreamed, my mom gave me a big old hug, and I was the light of her eye for a while, and but the trophy was a little piece of crap plastic gold thing that had, <laughs> it already had the little gold paint chipping off of it. I was so disappointed in the trophy, but yet I had to think about how much fun I had in earning the trophy. It wasn't about the trophy. It was about the fun I had on the journey to get the trophy. Mm. And here's the big reward, people, not the trophy. The big reward is the trophy that you created in your mind and that sense of achievement. That's what causes everybody to break down and cry sometimes when you finally did that one thing that you didn't think you could do. When you do it, you just see people oftentimes just start quivering and they, they cry. And it's that cry of emotion. It's that cry of almost a relief and a release because you know how hard you worked at it. You know how hard you dream for it. And then when that dream comes to fruition and all those efforts on the journey come together at that moment, that real trophy is that feeling that comes from only you. Nobody else knows how that feels like because everybody else has their own little feeling of winning that trophy. So that feeling is unique to you. It can't be duplicated. The trophy can be duplicated. They're going to give a ring again away next year. They're going to give another trophy away next year. They're going to give another belt buckle away next year. So that dream and that emotion that comes from you, because that's your sense of accomplishment, that's your trophy because that's the one that's unique. No one can duplicate that one. So, you know, we think about that too. We got to be thinking too that the dreaming part of it is, I mean, here's the reality too, Laura. I mean, here's the reality. The dreaming part of it's fun. You know, I'm a big dreamer. Still to this day, I love to dream about stuff. And uh, in fact, all the way through college, uh, my nickname in college was Mr. What If, uh, because I was always, oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? So I was always dreaming. I was always thinking about things. But the hardest part for me, as you will attest to, you've worked with me enough over the years to, all right, man, stay focused. <laughs> stay on this one thing. Let's do this one thing first and then go on to the next thing. So the dreaming part is really, really good. The other part, though, is is putting that dream into action. And that action oftentimes takes planning. But but the reality is, is that it's it's that planning and that action that's really gonna be the the what's gonna make it happen for us. So again, we gotta we've got to enjoy that aspect of it. I want people to think about this quote. This is a biblical thing and you've heard it. I think we've all heard it. You know, you've heard that thing that in the Bible says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, we've all heard that every time we kind of do a good deed, if you're a Christian person, every time you did a good deed, you probably think that somewhere in your mind, well done, you good and faithful servant. And so we, we think about that sometimes, and we kind of sometimes kind of strive for that, how good it would feel to have someone say to us, well done. Very rarely do we hear people say, or do we hear God say, I don't, I've not yet read it in the Bible, to where he said, well planned, <laughs> my good and faithful servant. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, well thought of my good and faithful servant. Yeah. He doesn't say that, does he? No, but Just, I mean, that's a really good point <laughs> that there's, you know, and there's value in planning. I don't think you're saying we shouldn't plan. We shouldn't, you know, it starts with the dream and then it takes some planning and all of that. But the reward comes from the action. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we have to really focus on. Some of the, I, I strongly encourage people to dream and I want people to think about because I oftentimes ask people that even when they, you know, like yesterday, for example, we had two new client horses come in and I start asking them, 
if you could do anything with this horse that you just brought, what would you like to do with it? In other words, I'm asking, what's your dream for this horse? What's mm. your dream horse? Why did you buy this horse in the first place? Why did you raise this horse in the first place? What was your dream? What did you envision when you when you see this horse as a quote-unquote trained horse? How do you see this horse performing three, four, five, six years from now? Why do you think I'm asking them that? It's not my dream. I want them to focus on it, and then my job is to help them put that dream into action. And I want them to think about if there were no limits, what would do, what would you dream? Would you see this horse as a world champion, or would you see this horse as the trail horse that everybody wants because he's so safe, he's so quiet, he's so gentle, and he's pretty? So is that what you're envisioning? Because that's what we need to start working toward. And if you're envisioning that, every step that horse takes, that's a notable, quote unquote, measurable step, that'll make you realize, oh, you just got a little closer to your dream. You just got a little nip at the at the at that carrot that's under that stick. You got a little taste of it. You see, so when we when we plan that out, we think about it, and then we start taking those steps toward it, and then we start realizing that, oh, I got a little step closer to that thing. That's the incentive that it takes to get there. So we always think about dream that, dream that thing and dream it big. And I'm not saying that dream big and then settle. I don't, I'm not saying that to people at all. I'm saying dream big and then work toward that and don't give yourself those, those limitations. I'm just going to refer here to my notes real quick. Lars says, whatever you dream or imagine doing, the hardest part is getting started. We mentioned that a little, a little while earlier. Mm-hmm. So going after the dream is like, kind of like pushing a car, you know, it's just the hard part is just getting the darn thing started. But once you get it started, your momentum and your effort and everything else kind of work toward you and kind of keep it going, kind of keep it rolling. So because of that, I just always want to encourage people to dream big, let your imagination run as wild as it did when you were a kid. And then, and here's the, here's the tough part, people. I dare you to start. I dare you to get going. I dare you to do that. Whatever that dream may be, I dare you to to start walking that horse toward that dream. Yeah, I love that. I think, um, you know, that dream, dreaming big and and allowing yourself to to ask that, that, to, to come up with an answer to that question. If there, if anything was possible, uh, you know, what would you want to do with this horse? It, it's it's the the mechanism for coming up with a really meaningful answer to your first question of your four questions. The what do you want? Let, right. You know, yeah. give yourself permission to answer that honestly, to dream big, as you said, and come up with the answer to that question, because that's where it starts. What do you want? All right. Now that you've identified that, what's the first step? And, and take yeah. that step. I love it. Yeah. And see, I don't want people to worry about the how so much. Is that the how thing to me is like a quick pill. For example, I used to have a lot of magazines call me and say, hey, Van, could you write a how-to article on how to do this or how to do that? And I started turning those op- those, those opportunities down. Um, not because I didn't like to be in the magazines. I mean, I like that part of it. I like reaching out to people in whatever medium that we could. But I got to thinking about it. My goodness, uh, if you asked me to write that article 10 different times, I'm probably going to give you 10 different hows. I'm probably going to come up with 10 different five-step ways to get that thing done. So the most important part is don't worry about the how. People, oftentimes, that's just an, that's, that's just too many times. Worrying about the how is 
too many times the obstacle that we're looking for to, to, to keep us from achieving our goal. That, that's the excuse. Well, I can't do that or I can't do that or whatever the case may be. Don't worry about the how. You'll figure out the how. And again, people have heard me say this before, and I hate to sound so redundant, but don't worry about the how. Worry about the why. And then just start taking those steps. As you're taking the steps, the how will change. A good how program changes all the time as you go forward because things around you change. Circumstances change. Times change. People change. Horses change. So the how is always being tweaked and adjusted. The most important thing is just to step forward and then go through that process that we've talked about before, those four steps. What do you want? Is what you want fair to you, your horse? Is what you want um, communicable? In other words, can you communicate what it is that you want to those around you that might help you get to your dream? And then lastly, how did you measure it? Did you get a step closer or did you achieve it? If you got a step closer, good. If you didn't, just that's okay. Just take a different step. And before you know it, the how takes care of itself. It really does, Laura. Well, that, yeah, that's such good advice and such a good reminder for us to to both dream and do. And I think it would be fun to um, to hear from your listeners about what their dream is for their horsemanship or, you know, for life in general. And so I, I would encourage listeners to to write in either to post on the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page what your horsemanship dream is, what what it is you're and and though what step you're going to take, you know, to put it into action. Again, either on the on the Facebook page or in the show notes for this episode on the on the website. But I think it might be more fun to have a conversation about this on the Facebook page. What do you think? I think that's an awesome idea. I'd love for people to do that, Laura. Absolutely. It'd be so much fun. There's nothing that makes me more excited when people share their dreams, their ambitions, their imaginations with me, with, with what they want to achieve. And and then what's even greater is when you get that feedback says, I did it. Yeah. That for me and for what I do in my life, and I'm sure it's the same way with you, there's not, that's my trophy. That's my little gold trophy that I work so hard to get is knowing that those that we communicate with and that we, that we do everything our, in, in our power to inspire, it's that that's, that becomes our trophy. So to me, all right, people, here's my selfishness. Go out there and share your dreams with me so that I can get my trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's, 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 my, that's my addiction is, is your success. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely share what your dream is, but also, you know, what's the next step you're going to take to put it into action, to move toward achieving that dream. So that would, be, that would be a lot of fun to hear about. Anything, Good idea, Laura. Anything else that uh, you want to say before we wrap this up? I can't think of anything other than just, I just want people to really focus on that dream, dream big. Let's let your imagination go wild. Ask yourself sometimes, why are you not dreaming like you did when you were a kid? And get back to that youthful state of mind. Doesn't mean you got to be youthful. We really got all this really cool experience we can go back on now. But don't slow the mind's imagination down. It's really cool to think like a kid sometimes. So open up that, open up your dreams, open up that imagination, and then just start taking those steps toward it. And don't forget to ride over stride when you do. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, All right. Anything new going on that we should know about? We've got lots of stuff actually, Laura, coming up. We've got, um, again, our Canada, our clinic, uh, clinics in Canada. Um, You know, I haven't been back to 
the Tennessee area in several years. Um, so we, we've got a really cool ranch horse versatility uh, clinic that's coming up there in Tennessee. And they can go to our website, find out more information about it. We're also finding out that clinic is filling up really, really quickly. And I think it's because many, many years ago, I was on Road to the Horse out in that Tennessee area twice. And we've had a, we, we developed a lot of people in that area that were good followers of ours. I really appreciate that. And I think it's because we've not been there in so long, that clinic is filling up very, very quickly. So if people in the Tennessee region, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, Alabama, anywhere in that region, they might want to get on our website and find out what they can do to get registered for that clinic as quickly as possible because it is filling up pretty quickly. And it's a ranch horse versatility clinic, which means we're actually going to be doing ranch riding, ranch trail, working ranch horse, and ranch cutting. So we are going to have, it's going to be a cattle clinic as well. So because we're involving the cattle, I think it's really stirred a lot of interest. So I really want to encourage people to sign up and sign up quickly for that one. There's a few other clinics that, we're, that we've got coming on, and we're going to be – a lot of folks don't know, Laura, but I'm also on the advisory council for my old alma mater, Texas A&M Commerce, and then their equine program specifically. And we are now working with them to create a scholarship program. Many moons ago, you and I talked about an affiliation on my website. For example, a nonprofit organization or, in this case, uh, my old alma mater's equine program are going to become Van Hargis affiliates. And what that means is, is that they're going to be following a little bit more of my, my training programs. We're going to get more involved with them to help develop those processes that have kind of helped me achieve the things that I wanted to achieve with, with the horses. And they're also going to be putting all of my products on their website. They're creating a website. We're putting our products page on their website. For anyone who wants to contribute to their scholarship fund and their intern and apprentice program, of which they will – selected students will be coming and spending their intern and apprentice time with me at my ranch down here in South Texas. But if people want to assist with that, it's a very simple little process. They just go to the Texas A&M Commerce Equine Program website. And, and, and in the meantime, they can go to our website to, to find out how to get there. But when they do, they can purchase any product on that website, just like it was on our website. But all the proceeds from that profit go directly to the Texas A&M Commerce Equine Program. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's really, really cool. So definitely visit uh, the, the website vanhargis.com to find out more information about that to find out information about the clinic coming up in Tennessee and the other things that Van's doing. He has a calendar there uh, that where you can see where he's going to be. And I, I guess I would encourage people, you know, going back to the, the issue of the, the clinic in Tennessee, if you wait too long and you miss your opportunity to register for that one, you can still email Van at info at vanhargis.com to find out about getting another clinic on the schedule down there. Or getting, you know, private lessons maybe around the time that he's going to be down there if the schedule permits. So there are always ways to to work with Van one-on-one -on -one or in a clinic setting or any number of things. So if that's your dream, um, there you go. take some action. Send an email if, if you miss out on that particular clinic, if it fills up. Absolutely. And and keep in mind, we I mean, there's nothing more that we love to do to go out and meet with our people that are out there on the road that that want and need our help with, with different things. So all it really takes is just an email to us and we can help you figure out how to make that happen. Because uh, like I said, we love it. We, we love going out and, and doing the clinics. We love being the, uh, doing the public speaking. So if there's a venue or something in your area that you'd like for us to appear or if there's 
you'd like to have a clinic or host a clinic, there's a very detailed process that we kind of help you get through. Uh, if you've got uh, like in your own personal property or if you know a barn closely that would let that host clinics, we would love to come. So we would love for people to, to invite us to come out. All right. Anything else or was that it for this time? That's it. I think, Laura, I just want folks to remember just to dream big and uh, dream like a kid, right? And as you do so, I just want you guys to also think that part of my dream is is helping you folks. That's, that's really what, that's what, what motivates me and inspires me the most. So uh, that feedback from you guys helps a lot. And in the meantime, know that I deeply appreciate all of you guys as I appreciate you, Laura, and all the help that you give me in putting this podcast together. And I just want folks to remember that it's your ride, it's your trail, it's your journey. So ride every stride. Mm-hmm.